Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. We are here today with a special episode, so special that we're going to say... Hello, Bob. Nope, nope. I messed that up. Do it again. <laughs> that we're going to say. Hello, podcast Wilt. That's right. That's right. That is none other than our co-host, Lee Boyd. That's right. Speaking German. Deutsch. Yep, yep, yep. Which, as you may or may not know, yeah. he took two years of in high school. That's true. President of the German club. That's President. Right. Of the German club. So we're talking about deep into the whole German thing in yeah. high school. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was. Hey, Lee. Yeah. Yeah, Rob. H- how is your German today? Just terrible. Just <laughs> terrible. I know like three words whenever they're said. I can't even recall them. So it's it's just terrible these days. But you can say, hey, podcast world in German. I, let's let, let's hear it one, one more time. Hello, podcast will. That was really good. Well, uh, Google Translator helped me out with that. Okay. Well, thank God for that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, folks. uh, We're messing around with German here today because our guest today comes to us all the way from Berlin. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? That's really cool. I mean, FNO InsureTech, the podcast, reaches all over the globe. All over the think about it, Rob. We've had people from from England. We've had somebody from South Korea, mm-hmm. uh, and now mm-hmm. we have somebody from Germany, Canada, Canada. I mean, there's only what hundred something other countries left. I mean, we can do this. <laughs> we're we're making our way down the list. Yeah, yeah, and many states, many states. Yeah, Hawaii, many, many states. Drew Garve was in Hawaii twice. Twice, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Look at that. Yeah. I just looked it up. 195 countries, it says on Google. And okay. so what do we what do we need? Uh, 192 more? No, around 190. Let's just around call it that. And, and we're going to put our Cracker Jack producer, Alicia Moss, on tracking down more of those, more people in different countries. But back to the point at hand. Okay. Holger Bartel is the CEO and founder of a company called Real Rate. And I think you're going to find this conversation very interesting. Holger's a neat guy, a nice man, and super smart, PhD in like analytic, mathematic way out there, and um, has brought his expertise in insurance and actuarial sciences into an insure tech. Yeah, I mean, he's up against these behemoth companies who go in and rate insurance companies, financial institutions with a double A, triple A rating, a B, whatever it may be. And he is bringing his team and using analytics and AI to quickly and accurately rate these companies. And mm-hmm. we're, we're going to talk about his business process, you know, how he makes money. We're going to talk about how he does it, the number of people on his team, which is extremely small. And they're, they're really making waves out there. Currently in Germany, about to make their way to the U.S. this year, we hope. And what's really interesting and really disruptive 
is part of the promise of what many insurtechs hope to bring, and that is to provide the same service that these companies, these insurance carriers or financial institutions are paying for now that's costing them six or seven figures annually right. for a very low price, for a four-figure price yeah, and, or a five-figure price. And it's for that world, this is a disruptive technology. So we wanted to bring that to you and also push out into Germany because we both love beer. Me especially. I think I like beer more than you. Yeah, yeah. I would say you do. I, I'm I'm a beer guy. And I had a beer probably last March. <laughs> then yes. <laughs> the answer is I like beer more than you. So without further ado, and with no more conversation about beer, let's go to our interview with Dr. Holger Bartel, CEO and founder of Real Rate. Hey, everybody, we are here with our guest coming to us all the way from Germany today, Dr. Holger Bartel, the founder and CEO of Real Rate from Berlin. Welcome to the podcast, Welcome. Dr. Bartel. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Lee, for having me here. Very interesting. Really looking forward. It's my very first podcast interview. Great. Well, we're honored to have you with us. Uh, we were talking before we started recording today about the proper way to say your name, the Germanic, I guess, way to say your name. And so I'm going to ask you to, to, to help our audience. How do you say Holger Bartel if you're German? Yeah, so I like your pronunciation a lot. I would pronounce it like Holger Bartel. There you <laughs> go. Just a little more emphasis there at the front, at the first That's syllable. it. Now, you may or may not know this, but you you have a former student of German on yeah. the podcast with us today, Mr. Lee Boyd. That's right. That's right. Two years, two of, years, German, so two years of, of German. Yeah. So here's your chance, Lee. No, I, I don't remember any more of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't remember. In fact, back in high school, I was the president of the German club, and we didn't actually actually speak German, but we did hang out after school. I don't remember what all we did, but we didn't speak German. But I enjoyed those two years. I learned a lot. I just stopped practicing, and that's what happens. Okay, so that's great. Maybe you could help me out a little bit if I'm missing some words, so that would be great. You bet. You bet. I will translate as best I can. That's <laughs> perfect. beautiful. I'm so glad we have the two of you here. In fact, I didn't even need to come today. But that's right. uh, as long as I'm here, let's get rolling with the real reason that we're here, and that's to talk about real rate. Holger, why don't you take a few minutes and tell us about what real rate is and what you do, and then we'll kind of dig into the nuts and bolts. Yeah, of course. So, real rate is a rating agency, and we're using explainable artificial intelligence to create fair, unbiased, and ethical company ratings. And our rating seals should help big companies to build customer trust. So that's the main idea using modern technology and totally in contrast to the big rating agencies like Standard & Poor's, you know them very well in the US. Uh, mm -hmm. We have no human analysts. We just got our software running. It's quite smart. So it's doing everything for us, totally automated. So would Standard & Poor's have people looking at it? 
Yeah, they have hundreds of thousands of employees indeed, so huge companies. And we uh, already got six and uh, hopefully <laughs> we'll achieve <laughs> maybe the same as they do, hopefully. So explain to our audience that isn't involved in rating what rating is and why is it important? So a rating is like attaching like a triple A to a company in order to state it's a strong one. It's a strong company having good financial health, being able to care about its customers and futures and to generate new products. And for example, if you're a customer of an insurance company or a bank, you really would like to have a healthy company in order to get a high return and to be totally sure that you, the money you put in is really safe. So you assess more than just the financials, correct? So we're focusing on the financials, and from that we can deduct a lot about the general security of the company. But we are focusing on what we call financial strength ratings. So we really input financial data. They are publicly available from the annual balance sheet reports. So on the very top, we put them in into the model. And at the very bottom, we get out a figure called financial strength, and that's used for our rating. Okay, can you give us some examples of what explain, you said you use explainable AI. So what is explainable AI and how do you use it? So I could tell you a little bit more about AI later on. First, let's talk about explainability or maybe what's, what does it mean to be not explainable? For example, one or two years ago in the US, you have there already, you're more advanced than we in Germany. So you have the self-driving Uber cars but you already had your very first fatal accident with a self-driving Uber car. It was using artificial intelligence and neural network. And if such a thing happens, everyone is asking, why? Why did it happen? How could have we prevented it? And the answer is, even the experts don't really know. So afterwards, they can grab the computer chips and read off uh, what um, were the reasons for the decision of the car to drive over the bicycle rider. But there's no real explainability. And we built that into the model in order to explain why something happens. Another example might be if you're a customer of a bank and you apply for a credit loan and you got rejected, you might want to know why and ask the question to the bank. And normally it's very difficult for them to answer. And if they would answer, there's a huge danger of answering it in a wrong way. Maybe you're a male and normally you get a higher credit compared to a woman. That would be discrimination. And so even if it is explainable, you really need to be aware how you explain it. So we take care of all that. We make it totally fair, ethical, and unbiased, and we can explain it in the first place. So tell us why rating is important in the insurance world. It's totally important, not only in the insurance world. Maybe you already forgot about it, but there was a 2008 crisis, a big financial crisis all over the world, and from my point of view, it was 
mainly driven by rating agencies. It's what, it was like a rating crisis. What happened? The banks and investors, they bought a lot of certificates, capital markets, products with a very nice AAA rating on it. But in fact, it was repackaged and restructured again. So finally, you had a big layer and you don't even know finally what you got. And when the markets went down, it was the first time the people had a look in what they really bought. They didn't understand. And finally, the rating wasn't as good. And yeah, the stock market prices fell. And all that could have been prevented if we had some rating agencies being really independent. I'm convinced of that. And we at RealRate, we are convinced of that. And we would like to change it, of course. So is that the mission? Is that what you're out there doing, trying to be that independent voice to make sure that the right rating is on the right company? Totally. That's driving us. And let me tell a little story. So uh, when I was working as an appointed actuary, so that's the chief mathematician in an insurance company, I was responsible to talking to the rating agencies in order to give them uh, information. And one day our big boss came in telling the rating agency, listen, I'm expecting you to give me a triple A rating. If not, okay, there are plenty of other rating agencies out there. And then he left. Wow. <laughs> so at that moment, I really understood the rating won't be fair, but totally biased instead. A hired rating agency is under heavy pressure to provide a good rating or it would not be hired again. So the company pays to be rated? Yeah, of course. That, that's like a scholar would pay his teacher in order to get a grade. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems counterintuitive. That's um, how a 10 billion right? market I mean, really works today. That's how it is. It's backwards. Yeah, totally. Right? It should, shouldn't it be independent and transparent? It's totally backwards. And that's why we are really turning the rating process upside down. So what we do is we have the AI, which is independent. But in addition, we first do all the work and we compute a ranking list. Say, for example, in Germany, we computed a ranking list of all 60 German life insurers. And afterwards, we just address the best rated companies and they are allowed to subscribe for the real rate seal of approval. So we are not under pressure to provide a good rating to a specific company. That's why we are really independent at real rate. So you'll rate all 60 of them, and then you offer the highest ones, the subscription to the certification to the, what, what, what did you call it? Yeah, it's, it's a real rate rating seal. Yeah. Seal of approval. Yeah, because we really turned the rating process upside down. That, that's what we did. And that helps a lot. And I want to be, we all want to be really independent at real rate. And we really hate to have a huge industry with hundreds of thousands of employees just producing hundreds of papers. And from the beginning, they know it should be a double A or something like that. So this isn't really a choice. In the US, sometimes I see like all insurance companies have a rating. And it's to, to show their financial strength and their financial resources so that you know that if you pay your premium and you have a claim, they're going to be there to pay your claim because they're rated 
as such. Yeah. Is that one of the services that you provide to the insurance industry? Yeah, that's totally the idea because big companies, especially insurers, to be honest, they are quite huge and complicated, very difficult to understand especially if you're a small customer. So you are in heavy need to get an independent answer. Is it a strong company or not? And we provide that one. And the main purpose for the companies is to put it on the very top of their website in order to build trust with their customers and maybe at the same time strengthen their brand. Right. You want to be AAA. If you're a company, if you're an insurer, you don't want to be a B minus minus no. or, or whatever the measure is, correct? And and if you're and and if you have AAA strength, you want everybody to know that so that there's confidence and trust. That's exactly the case. And even if you got not the best rating from us, still we could help because we made it explainable. We could tell what to change in order to overtake the market next time. I see. And and so when you have an insurance company, like you said, that's financially very complex and complicated, um, it's important that they that that they can pick out those specific points in the analysis where the problem is. Yeah, of course. Because they, they could be very wide ranging and difficult to find. So it's very important for the risk managers and even for the management board to really understand what are my relative strengths and weaknesses compared to the market average of the insurers. That helps them a lot, of course. So whenever you're looking to write the companies, you said mostly it's financial. What are you actually looking at? Is it just basic balance sheets? Or I assume that there are certain things you're looking at within their financials? Yeah, so it's a balance sheet report, and you know it's a big report. It's like uh, <laughs> normally you would uh, need to read 200 pages of a business report. With a real rate approach, you get a nice colored graph, and within just two minutes, you really can grasp what's going on. And uh, so th that was for me. So I was working as an appointed actuary for five years, and I should have known the company by heart. Okay, I know all, knew all the figures, but when I conducted our own software for the very first time for the company I was working in, I really got new insights I haven't got before. And at that moment, I really thought, oh, that's so great. We really should optimize it and offer these services for other companies to provide new insights. So who are your customers? So we're addressing big corporations having maybe hundreds of thousands of customers because building trust is most important for them. Also, we started up by focusing on insurers, but next we will cover banks. And the vision is even broader. So we would like to go and we will go to the US market in this year. And then we will be covering like automobile producers, pharma and so on. So starting as insurance company, having a great product market fit, uh, having optimized the product and now really scaling up because explainable artificial intelligence can be used for a lot of purposes, not even just being restricted to generating rating seals. Let's talk about AI software for a minute. We've had several different AI companies or AI-based companies on our podcast. Tell us about developing 
AI for a product like yours? I mean, it must be obviously <laughs> very challenging. You don't just wake up one day and say, okay, let's do this today. It's a big deal. Uh, first of all, I must admit, AI is a buzzword. And I'm using it a lot because investors like it. What we do, <laughs> what we do is AI, though. But quite often, if you look behind the scenes, what you find is a bunch of statistical values and correlations, and that's it. So quite often they say AI, but it's not. AI normally means having a big like neural network with hundreds of thousands of neurons and putting it in millions of millions of data. And even that is different with real rates. So we have a very special approach to AI. We do not have the big data approach. In contrast, we have the small data approach. Even if you have 50 life insurers and they are publishing, say, 100 key ratios in their balance sheet report, then you do not have millions of data. So how did we solve that problem? We put in a structure, an expert model. So we have implemented the structure and the shape of the neural network. And then afterwards, we put the data in and check if the shape is correct and if it's viable to use it. And by putting it in that structure in the first place, we are afterwards able to give an explanation which most networks are not able to do. That's just fascinating. It seems like you're taking all this data and doing all these complicated things to make it as simple as possible for the reader, which is just wonderful. Yes, yeah, so it's really focusing on the final message. So what we are giving the reader, of course, it's, it's this rating seal they would put on the website, but in order to explain it, it's a nice colored graph having red bubbles and green bubbles showing your weaknesses and the strengths compared to the market average. And Everyone could read it. You do not need to study mathematics or economics for that. It's just some nice colors and you get what's going on. Are ratings required by regulation? Is there regulatory requirements? I, I would assume in the, in the United States that insurance companies have to be rated. No, they do not have. So let, let's talk for Europe. I do not know. I do know that market a little bit better. Uh, sure. They do not have, but most in effect, R-rated. Uh, the first reason is they would like to go to the capital markets. That's why they need a rating. And the second uh, reason is they just want to build trust with their customers. But they are not, in Europe, they are not forced to have a rating. The big ones have a rating, but we are mainly selling rating seals to the smaller and medium-sized insurers because, in a sense, they are underrated. They didn't get a rating. And normally, would, you would like to have to pay like 60, 70, 80,000 euros and having a staff of five people working a year long to get such a rating. And uh, guess what? Real rate is totally automized. We do the work first and just sell it for 8,000 euros a year. So the marketing departments, they really love us. So they have a good message and they do not need to spend millions in advertising campaigns. <laughs> You said that your, your business plan has you entering America's marketplace within this year. Uh, what, what, what is that like for you? What do you have to do to prepare to enter a whole other country's ecosystem and to start offering these ratings? 
So we all have to learn a lot because the German market and US market are totally different. I learned that. So we are accelerated by two accelerators. The first one is Startup Bootcamp from the Netherlands, but the second one is GSD Venture Labs from the US. And they help companies to use the Silicon Valley as a launch pad for the world. So that was the first time I got in contact with U.S. potential customers, investors, advisors, mentors, business angels, and all that. And it's a totally different mentality, to be honest. Uh, we need to learn a lot. They're not always as kind as they are here in Europe. So, But it's a huge market. That's why we are going there. It's the world's largest market. And if we succeed there, we could succeed everywhere. Tell us about those differences. I'm interested in that differences. You said they're not as kind. Talk about the differences that you've discovered. You don't have to mention names. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, I could give you some examples. So, uh, for, for example, if you're in an acceleration program, normally you, you get advisors to help you. And in the US, the very first thing I learned, you have to pay an advisor, even if he's totally new to you, like 0.2% of your equity a month. So I was shaking my head and I didn't do it yet. So maybe I'm too German still. I need to learn a lot still, but that's not uh, the approach we have. So of course they did help us a lot, but normally we do not dilute our cap table so early. And so that's what you mean that in the US they're not as nice? Ah, and, and if you are in contact with lawyers, you have to pay attention. They might get very, very expensive in the follow-up process. So that's how it is, maybe. <laughs> right. Is that is that not how it is there in Germany? No, it's uh, we are all a bit, little bit slower, more conservative. And oh. uh, so it's a different, totally different culture. But of course, there's more to gain in the US. It's a huge market. And right. if we're fast, so that's why we already um, registered or we're currently registering an office in Silicon Valley because I want to give the message to customers and investors, hey, we are Santa Clara based in Silicon Valley. It's totally different than saying, oh, it's me, Holger, coming from Germany. I'm in Berlin. So that's right. not the story they would like to hear. You know, coming over, you're a big deal, right? You're on a list here of the top 25 insure tech CEOs of 2020. I mean, you're making a splash. I mean, you come from working inside of an office, learning the inner workings and find yourself as the CEO of this fascinating company. What was that journey like for you? That, that was a little bit unexpected, to be honest, because it all started out when I got an email. Congrats, your company has been elected uh, as one of the most promising German AI startups. So that was last year in March. I didn't apply for that. I didn't know the price, but uh, we got elected. And that was the breakthrough. So uh, after that, uh, I had a story to tell. And it was the very first time that our technology really was acknowledged in the market because it is a really new technology. And the very first place, what the people say is, oh, that's so new. Would you really be able to succeed? I don't get it. But at that point, we got like acknowledged in the market. That's wonderful. So it all sounds very expensive to get 
something like this off the ground and going? You said you just opened up or you're opening an office in Silicon Valley. Where does the money come from? Did you sell your car and are you venture funded like what happens in the U.S.? To be honest, it's not expensive at all. So I quit a very nice paid job at the insurance company. So I was reporting to the board and I quit that job. And so we are totally self-funded. With me is my twin brother. So we are always founding companies together. It's not the first one. So we're a very good team. So what we put in is uh, our effort and time. And uh, we didn't pay us alone. I spent the first the last three years to develop the AI software. So I was like in a dark chamber just developing code. And one year ago, I went out to the market and we just had the first product market test in Germany and we immediately sold four rating seals to German life insurers. So we earned more than 30,000 euros just from the market test. And that was so great and that's why we thought that's a great starting point. We should scale up from there. But there's no VC in there yet. And indeed, we're just raising 100,000 euros. It's a minimum amount. Why, you could ask. Uh, the main reason is we would like to go fast. Now it's the right time to do AI in finance. And I do not want to discuss uh, a year about the valuation of the company, whether it's 1 million, 3 million, or 10 million. I want to have 100,000 now to enter the U.S. market. That's it. Wow. That's fascinating. Let's talk about the differences between the U.S. and Europe. We have a lot of cultural differences, but what about technology differences? Is, is that an issue? It is. So I'm located in Berlin. Berlin is like one of Europe's founders' capital, and that's why I moved back from Cologne to Berlin. Still, the U.S. is on the forefront, especially if it comes to AI. So you have Google and Facebook, main drivers of artificial intelligence worldwide. But we try to copy some approaches of them. So for example, we put under general public license 90% of our source code. When I told that, uh, to the investors, they really hated it because they are looking for intellectual property. And we are saying, no, we're giving it for free. Why do we do it? Because we are looking for some crazy nerds who jump on the product and help us developing the code without being paid. So we think we could ensure to be at the cutting edge even in some years when we got bigger because being small means being fast and being bigger means getting slower. That's my point of view. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So, and, and still we, we got the other 10% of the software uh, closed. So the industry specific part is closed and we will have to, to adapt that one for every industry we are scaling to. I've got to ask you, how... You sat in a closet basically and wrote this code. Where did you learn how to write code for AI to do all these complicated things that people have hundreds of thousands of employees that they're doing? What, where in the world did this knowledge come from? 
So uh, I've been studying uh, economics in Berlin at Humboldt University, and I got my PhD in statistics. Uh, Professor Lutkepol was my supervisor, so he's like a guru in econometrics. And <laughs> but he wasn't happy when I told him that at that time, that's more than 20 years ago, I was uh, founding my first company because he wanted me to have a scientific career. But <laughs> I took the wrong way already at that point in time. So I learned a lot in statistics, and when I uh, founded my first company, it was a fintech, but at that time, the term fintech wasn't even born yet. Today, yeah. we would call it like a robo-advisor. We were doing financial forecasts for capital markets. Um, so at that time, I had to code it myself. And when I later showed the code to my brothers, they are really coders. So they are into it. Uh, they said, oh my God, what did you do? But I got it running. So it was good enough to get started at least. <laughs> That's awesome. Wonderful. So um, let's talk about what your future holds. Tell us about what your roadmap is. So yes, we need to be a recognized company and to have a name. But we will not spend millions of monies to have an advertising campaign. Our idea is like re reversed. So we would like to get the first big companies on board. So, and if then they put the rating seal on their website, they are making indirectly an advertisement for real rate. And that's the way we would like to get a big name and to get recognized as a company. And since we are not really VC funded yet, that's the way to do it. And of course, it's a huge market, but I think that's a smart way to do. Let's see whether it's successful. Mm -hmm. Do US VCs have a hesitation because you're German based? No, not at all. Okay, so borders don't matter to them. No. So sometimes I think it's easier to talk to international investors than to local investors. For me, that happens a lot. So when I talk to, to Dutch investors, they really like it. And I, if I present it in Berlin, they think it's not special. Sometimes you need to be abroad to be something special. Before we go, I want to ask if you have any exclusive news that you'd like to share with us and our audience. Yes, so just just yesterday an article was published and I'm quite happy to announce that we were awarded most innovative AI ratings provider by EU Business News. And the article just came out yesterday. Um, so that's a great message and I would like to share that here. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thanks a lot. We love big announcements. <laughs> Yeah, And also, yeah. I could announce, so uh, on February 4th, we will have big demo day from Startup Bootcamp Netherlands. You could see it online, and I will be pitching there. So in case you would like to be a business angel at RealRate, just listen there. We have really enjoyed having you, and uh, we like when we can push out and be FNO InsureTech the international podcast. Yeah, that's that right. So thank you so much for making time and for being with us and all the best with Real Rate. Thanks a lot. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks. Thank you. Das war gut. <laughs> you know what I said uh, there? No, I do not. I said that was good. It was.
It was very good. It's good. It is good. I was nervous because, you know, when we have on people from other countries, we're never quite sure how the language is going to do and how the, the conversation is going to roll. But Holger was terrific. Yeah, he was great. I think it's funny how, like, if somebody comes on and I kind of know what the language is, I want to try to speak it. Mm-hmm. Just like when somebody from Israel comes on, you always want to spell their name. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of kind of the uh, same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's another country we had. We had Israel on. Israel. Yeah, maybe yeah. 189 left. Yeah, we're getting there. We, we, we can't even keep track. No. Um, very interesting company. Very yeah. interesting premise. I had no idea that getting raided was that big of a deal, but I do know that, you know, almost every, every carrier has a rating. It's something that is typically on their website. Yeah. I think he's really set to disrupt that industry. He's already doing it in Germany and now he's ready to come in to America. And it feels Mm -hmm. as though he's heading into Silicon Valley. He wants to Mm -hmm. do it right. He wants to make Mm -hmm. a splash, Mm -hmm. Uh, but how about doing it with so little funding? I mean, self-funded up to this point, looking to raise just a little bit of money I mean, a lot of times you look at it and you're thinking, I'm going to raise millions and millions of dollars, but he doesn't have to. And he can, he's trying to disrupt this industry with just a little bit of funds. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see his story. I'm excited to see where it goes. Right. And we're uh, really appreciative to Dr. Bartle for being with us today and for taking the time and dealing with the time change. Yeah. And we thank you for being with us as always. With that, we'll say. Hold on. I can't say that. Yes, I'll, you can. You can say it. Auf Wiedersehen allerseits. Auf Wiedersehen allerseits. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>